Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, and uh, it's it's going to be a violent day because we got Mr. Joe Goldberg here. You and you and your violence. Yeah, yeah. I'm a nice. I'm a nice guy. I'm a. I, I pet the seals. <laughs> You're a nice guy on the surface, but those are always the serial killers in the story. That's true. That's right? true. But I let, I let my the violence, whatever little violence I have, come out in the, in the Spy Devils books, so that, that they can blow things up in Mozambique. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So you say. I know every town you go to after you leave, there's always problems. So. Well, we were just talking to Robert about pen names. I can say, well, I kill under pen names, right? I, 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 yeah. I go under Alan as my yeah. killer name. Yeah, that's a good killer name. No, that's too passive. That's that's not a good strong name. I could yeah. do Robert. Robert's better. I can yeah. do Bob like they did. I like that. In, Bob. In, uh, Bob. Peace. You know, Bob. The Bob. He was the bad guy. He was the spirit. What we need here is some strong coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got. Speaking of strong coffee, we've got a man here that's uh, written actually quite a few books. He's been in the business. And he's a pro. He's gonna. He's here to show us how to do this because we're Absolutely. still trying, right? So we've got uh, the Killing Room, and it's part of the Killing Room series, and it's book one. And I know book two is coming out, I believe, this fall or August, something like that. We'll talk to him. So, Mr. Robert Swartwood, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, what is the Killing Room? So the Killing Room is uh, it's definitely a thriller. I can say that. Uh, the tough part about this book, well, I can tell you the setup. But uh, we can't really go much farther just because without giving away major spoilers, which has kind of been difficult to help uh, talk about it and promote it, 
but it's basically about a guy who uh, is down on his luck, um, had, a, had a recent divorce, so he decides to get away for a while. He goes out to Las Vegas, and while he's there, he uh, meets a woman at a club. Next thing he knows, he wakes up in a motel room that's not his, and the woman is dead in, in, the, uh, in the tub, in the bathroom. And he, and he panics, and Ouch. he takes off, and pretty soon uh, a pair of detectives uh, basically capture him. And that's kind of where the, the story really takes off. I mean, first page, it takes off with him waking up in the hotel room, or the motel room, not knowing where he is. Um, but again, that's just the setup. And what I always like in terms of writing and also in terms of just being a reader of these types of books is you don't always know where the book is going. Sometimes, you know, by the first page or the first chapter, okay, this is the type of book it's going to be. You know, it's going to be a historical thriller. It's going to be some type of action thriller. And that's fun. I've written books like that myself. But I also like writing the books that I lead you one way. And then probably page 50, page 80, page 100, all of a sudden uh, there's, a, there's a reveal, there's a twist, and then the book becomes a completely different thing. And so that's what we have here with The Killing Room. So there is a major reveal somewhat early on, so it's very difficult to really kind of go into more details without, uh, without giving away a major spoiler. So do you have this sort of planned out or set up? Because you say there's, it, it kind of it leads you one way and then it, all of a sudden you're you're going somewhere different or something else happens and it changes things. Do you already know, like, do you have that planned out at the beginning? You kind of know this is where you want to be, but you're going to take people on that, I guess, uh, false road, so to speak, on purpose? With this, with, with this book, absolutely. Um, especially now, I've gotten to a place where, time, you know, time is very precious and there's only so many minutes in a day. So if I'm going to be working on a new project, I, I often will bounce it off my agents. I will have discussions and basically determining whether or not this is something that's going to be viable. Uh, because in the past, especially, you know, when I was a, a younger buck, um, not really, you know, worrying too much where I was maybe still in college or just out of college, still living at home, um, I could just sit down and just start writing. And in fact, I had done that with one book, um, I, my, my first draft, I, I wrote like 90,000 words in three weeks because I was just nonstop. And that was one where I just started on uh, chapter one, having no idea where I was going and just let the story go. And, and fortunately, it worked out. I mean, granted, it wasn't perfect from that first draft. The first draft is never perfect. But um, nowadays, I just can't afford to just sit down and kind of let the words go where they may. I, I really have to at least have I, – I don't, I don't outline – in fact, I, I think I heard, um, I was listening to the interview that Joe um, had done somewhat recently or a while back where he called himself a, a planter, which I think is a good term because I don't really, planter. you know, I'm not one to, to outline. Um, however, there are times where I might have to, in my head, the story is all there, the characters are there, but usually if I'm talking to my agent or something, like, you know, they need more details than just giving me like, than just giving like two or three lines. So uh, usually I have to kind of get that yeah. set up where I kind of want to go. But that doesn't always mean that, that the story is obviously going to go in that direction. Uh, last year uh, I sold a, a project to, uh, to Audible for an Audible original um, under a pen name I did. And to do that, we had to be very, like, we had to present an outline. Um, and, I, and we had pitched it as a 30,000-word novella. So a couple chapters, um, an outline, a very detailed outline. And then when we sold it, I sat down to actually start writing it. And I realized 
crap. The only way to make this effective was I was going to have to add in a lot of other stuff. Basically, we were going to have to get another point of view to, to really make the story work. And so I remember asking the, uh, my editor, how, how long is too long? Because we were contracted you know, to just do around 30, and she said, eh, nothing over 70. And I said, okay, perfect, because the book ended up becoming a little over 60. So I, I wrote double than what we were contracted for. And, and granted, if you look at the outline that I had done, everything is there. But but adding in the extra point of view, um, it just added more to the suspense, added more to the overall book to really make it work. So it was one of those things where I really don't like outline because oftentimes it just I, I don't stick with it. I, I I sometimes feel that it's restrictive, but sometimes it's also nice um, kind of having it as I guess as a guide. But yeah, if, if I can, I like to just sit down and just you know go. How do you create these characters? How do you, how does your main character come to you? So. Oftentimes, I will have either either it's a character, maybe just a, a setting, a story idea. Oftentimes, you see things on social media and the news. Like I remember one time seeing a, a push alert came through from the Times uh, for something, and I immediately immediately clicked on it and thought, "Oh, this would make a really great um, story idea." And so, oftentimes, I, I, I'm not one to write down ideas. I mean, I will if I'm pitching them to my agent and, and whatever else, but oftentimes I try to let them kind of sit in my head, a little simmer a little bit, percolate. And, um, and I always feel that, that the ideas that I have or the characters, the settings, the ones that stick with me, um, you know, for years. I mean, there are uh, ideas that I have in my head that I've, you know, probably have been over a decade that I still have just like a, almost like the entire book. I can still just think about it and know exactly like beat for beat how I would want to do it. I just don't have the time to sit down and do it. But I know at the same time that if it's stuck with me this long, it's probably an idea worth worth writing at some point. Whereas, you know, you might come up with uh, with a story idea or a setting or a character, and um, you might forget about it the next week. And I always kind of feel like that's almost like my subconscious is kind of doing that um, – I don't know, kind of like that marketing testing on my, you know, for me. It's, it's basically saying if something's worth it or not. So, so what's a good book to you? What makes a good book or what would keep you reading in a book? Oh, that's, a, that's a very good question. It's a difficult question because I do try to read in, in a lot of different genres. Obviously, I primarily write thrillers, crime, action, um, even psychological suspense. But I do try to read um you know, literary stuff. I, I I've even gotten back into to trying to read some some poetry, uh, just because or the just the overall descriptive nature. You know, I, I, I more I'm probably more more plot focused. So and you know I'm not one to really go with um, my right. I don't want to say flowery, but I I I I'd like to think you know what I mean in terms of you know sometimes you read certain books and and just. They paint the the author paints you just like like they put you in the scene, just with a few words, and 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 that's what I always think is is the challenge where you don't want to write too much, um, but at the same time you don't want to write too little. So it's a, so it's always finding that balance of of showing you a setting, showing you the action, but we're not going too much where you always then get to that to that place where the reader starts to skim, and and I know that personally, like I will. I will pick up books where I will get into a good chapter or two or three, and then at a certain point, if I feel like I really want to finish this book, I'll just start skimming it. Uh, whereas 
other folks, for whatever reason, I don't know, just the writing or 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 the descriptive nature or something about it. I just want to I want to take my time with it. I could probably breeze right through it, but I but I will find myself maybe putting it down because I don't want it to end. Um, and and that's I don't want to say it happens all the time. It's it, it it is rare for that to happen. But what specifically is the thing? It's it's always difficult. I I it, you know it's probably different for you and for Joe. Um, uh, you know what what captures you? Uh, probably each of you probably have a you know your all time favorite book. I'm sure I do too. Although off the top of my head, I can't even think of what my all time favorite book would be. But um, and that's the beautiful part about just everybody. Well, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has different things that really stick out to them. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of questions. Let me ask one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But well, let me let me go back to the Al's question about uh, think characters. Do do you have do you have the ideas first, or do you have a character first and say, do you put this person in a situation, or do you have the situation and say, okay, let me put some people in this in this crazy situation. Which comes first? I would have to say it, it, it varies project by project. Um, in terms of the killing room, uh, for me it was the idea of just um, a businessman waking up, um, you know, again, uh, somewhere that is unfamiliar with him and then finding somebody dead in the next room. Now, I will say I had this idea a long time ago, and this was before um, uh, Christopher, uh, uh, his last name is escaping me, but he wrote The Flight Attendant. And I remember when when the flight attendant came out, thinking, "Okay, crap! Um, all right, you know, there goes my idea." Because his idea is about this this flight attendant who is in another country. She she goes out with this guy, wakes up, and he's dead. And uh, sometimes, you know, with with books and writing, it, it, it is often who gets there first. But then I actually read the book, and it was completely different. Besides that 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 setup in the very first chapter is completely different direction. And so I felt pretty confident that I could that I could uh, continue with what I did. But oftentimes I have that set piece, that that idea of where I want to go with it. And then, um, well, okay, so so the killing room takes place in Las Vegas. Now I knew the setup was going to be him waking up in in this motel and again finding a uh, a dead woman in the bathtub. Initially, I thought maybe I could set this in some like Caribbean um, some Caribbean paradise place. Uh, maybe in the, you know, I don't know, the Bermuda or something like that. Had I done that, there would definitely have been certain aspects of the story that probably would have stayed the same, but it also would have been a completely different story because I set this one, The Killing Room is set in Vegas. And so I was able to really use that setting uh, because then you find out, again, after we get to certain reveals and, and the book goes on, uh, he the, the character was able to go different places where he would not have been able to do had it been set on some remote island. So it definitely lucked out, at least in that respect. Is setting important to you, to the character? Sometimes, I well, I think setting, yes and no. I mean, setting, I, I think, should be just as important as the characters. Obviously, obviously, um, you, have, you, you will set your story, or at least for me, I will set my story in a certain place because it has to be set in that place. There are times where you might read... Um, like a murder mystery, and the murder mystery could take place in New York City, could take place in Baltimore, could take place in Los Angeles. Ultimately, probably the story, the overall story, is not going to change, and and that and that does happen. Some books will have that happen, and and that that's fine. Um, but I have found, at least for me, if I set it in like Baltimore, I will use that. I will use Baltimore, 
where like or I will use certain aspects, like even the follow up to uh, to the Killing Room. Much of that takes place in Washington D.C. So I I used Washington D.C. and the surrounding areas to my advantage. So so it really did play in. It became just as important as the characters. Now, granted, sometimes you do have a setting which. For whatever reason, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head is like what's a book that has a really you know huge setting that 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 basically the book would not take place you know the book would not work if it was not set in that region or that city or wherever else. And of course, I'm completely blanking right now. Which one? Anything on a ship? Anything on a ship? There you go. But uh, yeah, I mean, oftentimes I think. Um, and I don't know, maybe it sounds a little corny because we get into like writing workshops here, but it's, but you know, characters are the, they're the main thing. They're the main driving force, uh, without a character who has purpose, you know, I don't think you have a very effective story. Um, so if you don't have, um, those strong characters or at least those interesting characters, and that's another thing too, sometimes you'll always get people who will say, oh, this character is not very interesting or this character is not very likable. I don't think characters have to be likable. I never understood that this idea that 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 characters have to be likable. I just feel that you have to at least understand where those characters are coming from. I mean, think about it too. A lot of villains are are very. A lot of people remember villains. A lot of people like villains. I mean, think about um, everyone. Have you guys either read uh, Watchmen or, or seen the movie? I mean, people love Rorschach, but Rorschach is an awful human being. <laughs> But for whatever reason, he has this right. like cult following, which is funny. Is when they did the uh, the uh, TV uh, spinoff, um, uh, Rorschach kind of had this uh, this like cult following, which was some not some great people uh, basically were um, using him as a role model. But uh, but regardless, he's not a good guy, and yet for whatever reason, people love him, and so um, and that's the same idea. I mean, again, he's not likable, but so I, I never really feel like you need to have likable characters. I just feel like you need to have characters that, that again, have, have a purpose that, and you don't necessarily even have to relate to them. I mean, I don't think people are, hopefully people are not relating to, you know, to serial killers. They're not, they're not relating to Hannibal Lecter, but at least they understand. That's what I say Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, but that's at least exactly they understand, uh, they understand, I guess, in, in a way his purpose, like what his motivation is. Not, and hopefully they don't agree with it, but at the same time, you know, he, he he's not just this, you know, the stick figure on a page. But why do you pick certain characters, or do you think about it like you say the businessman here wakes up in a strange hotel with you know with the woman's dead in his bathtub? Like that's an unusual setting. Where does that come from for you? Are you thinking uh, businessman? Why couldn't it be a, a cop, or why couldn't it be a doctor? Like, is there a particular method? to your madness and in, in how you do this or did you wake up in a hotel with a dead woman in your tub not that i remember but of course i probably wouldn't have it if i got knocked out i would say at least right. in this instance um again it's very difficult to read this book without giving too much away but there is a reason why he why he was a businessman in fact i think initially i had him i had his occupation a little bit different but then it began it becomes one of these things and 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 that's one of those things that I always think about, especially when I'm writing books. I don't know how it is for either of you guys, but I'm constantly asking why. Like, why? Why is this character acting the way he's acting? Why, you know, why? Why is he making these decisions? Um, again, why is he this? Uh, why does he have this occupation? Um, and I always feel like if I can continue as the author answering that question, 
that's good. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be, you know, the answer does not necessarily always have to be on the page. Uh, but if you get to a place where you might say, you know, why, why is this character still running? Why is he not, you know, why is he not calling the police? Why, why is he not doing this or this? And if, if there's no valid answer and the, and the answer is just, well, you know, I, I want to write a 300 word or a 300 page book, but I'm only about 150 pages in. So I have to keep the book going like that. I don't think that's a valid answer. You know, the, the answer should just always be what is best for the story. Um, and so again, going back to that idea of being a planter, um, you know, I, I oftentimes have, it, it, have you guys ever heard of, uh, I think Harlan Coben had said that with him, it's, 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 it's like he's taking a cross country uh, trip. He, he, he knows where he's starting. He has an idea where he's going to end up. He's, you know, he's going to start in Jersey. He's going to go to California. He has a general idea of, of the route he's going to take, but of course he doesn't know what's going to happen along the way. He doesn't know who he's going to meet. He doesn't know if there's going to be detours or anything along those lines. So, and oftentimes, you know, when, when he gets to California, he might end up actually in a different place. You know, he might, he might end up close to where he thought he was going to go. So oftentimes that's kind of how it happens with me. I, I, I might have that idea or, or these characters, but then, but then things change halfway through, which I always love. I always love as, as the, I always feel as, as a writer, if I'm surprised by, by what the characters do, by where the story goes, then fingers crossed, readers will be doubly surprised. Of course, then you're always going to have some readers who'd be like, "Oh, I saw this coming a mile away." It's like, how? I I didn't even see it coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when you look back at this, like you, you you've gone through this book, and now you've got uh, you're obviously working on book two, or maybe even done. Um, when you're going through this whole whole period of time, and you're working through the characters and the changes and stuff like that. It, does it lead your life? Like, how how does that does it change your life in some ways? I mean, I I, I often get less sleep, especially when I when I'm down in it. I mean, um, actually, I am working on copy edits right now for uh, for book two. They are they are due you know shortly, and I I, I do find myself um, yeah just you know kind of chugging some Red Bulls whenever I can because I don't drink coffee and probably Red Bulls aren't good for me either. But I need just some type of caffeine because I because they are long nights. Now, do the characters stick with me? Um, yes and no. I mean, sometimes again, I, I will have characters who 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 will stay with me, but but sometimes they don't like just nag at me uh, entirely. But 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 they are just always there in the back of my head. So if I ever you know do have that time to sit down, then it is it is like I never left them. And in fact, even with uh, the killing room, I mean, I initially wrote that as a standalone. Because I, I I have written some some series in the past. Um, I know Joe, you you have a, a series like I like series, but at the same time I like standalones just because I like doing brand new characters, a brand new story. Um, but sometimes with you know with a with a series, you kind of get stuck in it. You, you you get the readers who really like it, which is great. But at the same time, they, you just kind of always I always feel like the pressure just starts building because there was one you know there was the expectation to go up book by book by book. Uh, but in this one, as I was writing it, I realized, okay, there, there's more for this for, for this main character to do. There, there's more to his story, and so that's what it led into uh, to 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 the second book. Well, you've kind of led into my questions because I uh, know exactly what you're doing on the saying about the series thing. And, that's, and my next book is not in the series. It may be a standalone. Maybe it would be exactly like yours. And someone say, oh, we should have another book like this, getting away from the espionage, which. 
everybody knows I ask questions that only help me out. So let me ask the question on, you've written a lot of uh, different styles, okay, novellas, and you, you mentioned historical throws, whatever. How, how do you do that? I mean, how do you flip styles short, long? What do you like about those? And sort of kind of like, why? Because you... I, so I'm kind of known in my little box. I don't want to build my box. And I hope it's the right thing to do. So why, why so many types? The the short answer is I have no idea. Um, I, I I definitely I just like writing in general. And a lot a lot of my early stuff has been self published because I've been doing this for for a long time. I mean, in middle school was when I read my very first Stephen King novel, and I knew that that's I was like that's what I want to do with my life. I I, I want to be a writer. So 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 I mean, in middle school was that was. That, that became my my goal to, to do. So I think I wrote my first novel when I was... And and because of Stephen King, a lot, a lot of my earlier stuff was more horror, supernatural. Um, so like my first couple books were more horror, supernatural. But I, I always kind of leaned more towards thriller, towards crime, towards action. But at the same time, I, I do enjoy literary stuff. So there are times where, I mean, I had written one novel, which was my probably my only quote-unquote literary novel, but that even has a few maybe crime, I mean, well, sometimes it just comes out of marketing. I mean, look at a book like uh, No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. That is a straight-up crime novel, but it, it's marketed as literary because of the author. So sometimes that happens too. And what I found that is that um, really, really annoying part is, especially when you're dealing with publishing, they want to put you into categories, and that's why. And again, that, that's why I do write under a pen name. Um, I write uh, I, I write action crime thrillers under under my name, and then I'll do these uh, psychological suspense under under a pen name. Which, quite honestly, you, you think about it, it, they're they're all the same types of books. They're all they're all essentially thrillers, but again, publishers like to you know categorize things differently, which. That's how the business is, but um, but but for me, I, I just like writing. I just like writing what I like to write. It's um, I, I I don't like to be to be stuck in that box. I mean, there are some things. Even I have uh, I have one idea I love I love to do, which is more even more sci-fi. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, the question is, if if and when I ever do that, is is that something that I would want to put out under you know my name or or come up with a different another pen name? Just because, again, in terms of marketing, you know, I, I I think my readership might enjoy it, but you know, other readerships coming in might be like, well, this guy's only written thrillers; he doesn't know anything about sci-fi. I mean, again, it becomes that whole it becomes that whole thing. I mean, and 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 that's we have a lot of writers. I mean, I was even thinking about uh, Michael Crichton. I mean, he wrote under. What three, two, three, four? I don't know how how many pen names before you know he became you know quote unquote Michael Crichton, and you have a lot of authors who uh, who have done the same thing just over the years for whatever for for one reason or another they've just they've had to utilize pen names for especially when it comes to two different genres. Right. Go go to Bob Goldberg. Yeah, I'll change it to Bob B Goldberg. So <laughs> gen, gender neutral. Well, actually, it's something I, I my some of my friends write. Under pen names, I, I never even considered it because my ego is too huge. But so this is what I've. The more you talk, yeah, Joe. About, this is this is how I've always justified it. Um, in the end, the check is always in my name. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all that really matters. You do get checks. What's that like? Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, that's funny. So, so what do you? What's your what's your writing process like when you sit down? Can you turn it on? just go nine to five and write and, and go at her, or do you have to be in a certain mood or in a certain place or a certain atmosphere? Yes and no. And, and the reason I say that is that, well, you, you guys are writers, you know, and I think any writer out there knows that writing is not easy. Like, it's awful. I don't know. It's one of those things, like, I don't know why we do it. I, I, I never trusted anybody who says that, oh, I, I love writing, where it's like, I love to have written. I don't necessarily love writing because it's tough. I mean, it, it, it is hard. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of out of you. Um, there are times where I just, you know, I love to procrastinate, so I will just keep putting it off. And my wife will say, like, you, why aren't you writing right now? <laughs> why are you Why are you just sitting in here in the living room watching TV or playing on your iPad? And it's just because I just. It, again, it takes a lot of work or like I will tell myself, oh, you know what, I'm not feeling it. 
And again, I think, you know, I hate to keep going back to Harlan Coben, but I do because he always says really smart stuff. And I think he said that, you know, readers can never tell on the page when a writer is having a, was having a bad writing day or a good writing day when they wrote that page. Uh, mostly because he, I think it's very important. And one of those things that I've really learned over the years to accept and always should try to remind myself is that first drafts are going to suck. No matter how, no, no matter how much you try to spend time and and make it and and make it as good as possible. So for me, I I I've been doing more of the Nora Roberts uh, vomit draft, uh, you know, theory. Yeah, I call it well, yeah, I just I just sit yeah. down and I just knock out a first draft as soon as possible. And again, that's also a way for me to just kind of let the story and the characters kind of go on their own. Where I'm not, and, and, and that means that I'm not sitting down and and rereading or re-editing. And I know some readers, and that's the thing too. I, I think a lot of writers, you know, they they all have their own process. I don't think there's that there's one one right way to 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 write or edit. Uh, is really what whatever you find that works best for you. I mean, I do think if you're you know starting out, you should experiment or uh, with different things to kind of see again what works for you. If you, if you feel like maybe outlining is better. Or, or again, just sitting down and going from scratch. But yeah, I I I found that if you if you sort of just let go, like I guess like let go and let God in terms of of knowing that your first draft is just going to suck and there's nothing you can do about it, and that's okay. Then that lets the that, that eases the pressure a little bit because because I mean even again I mean I I would love for my first draft to be perfect so when I'm done and I send it to my agent or I have other people look it over it's like I, you know we don't have to do anything because even even when I go through that a manuscript and I'll go I mean I just actually finished the first draft of a book uh, the other night and and again I'm doing copy edits now for another book so I'm gonna let it sit for you know a uh, probably a week or two, which quite honestly, I, I would love to write a first draft and let it sit for a couple months before I would come back to it, so I could be really fresh. But you know, realistically, that's not going to happen. But um, when I do go back through it, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go back through it. It's, it's going to be cleaning it up, and then I, and, and and then before I even send it to anybody else, I'll, I'll I'll probably put it on my Kindle and I'll and I'll read it from that point of view. You know, as like a reader, I'm and, and then I'll make you know changes there and. And, and by the time I go to, you know, my agent, there's still going to be things that she'll probably come back with, notes and, and, and edits, and I'll look at it and be like, oh, yeah, okay, of course, that makes sense. Um, and I always thought that I think there was a Walter Mosley had said something along the lines of how, you know, it, he'll always be just like uh, working on a book. He'll always be just rewriting it, revising it, rewriting it, revising it. And then when he gets to a place where he can't rewrite or revise it anymore, then it's done. And that's kind of like how it, how it comes here. Um, of, of, of course, then if you're ever on you know con, uh, deadline, usually it's done whenever the deadline is due, and, and you have to turn it in, and, and then it goes to the press, and it's kind of like, and then it's really out of your hands. Well, you've mentioned several times a question I sometimes ask. You mentioned the readers. Uh, how much do you consider the reader as you're writing? A little bit more than I probably did in the past. Um, there had been times where. One of my early books, and and the book that's published now has changed. But when when I initially when I got my, my first agent uh, right out of college, I had written this one thriller, and I and I wanted to do, I I wanted to go against the grain, which was which was so dumb. But basically, I had this setup where and it was actually very similar to the killing room, and 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 basically this guy he he lives in California, or I'm sorry, he lives in Pennsylvania with his with his uh his, his wife and daughter 
and then he goes to bed one night, and then in the next night he uh, wakes up in California. Uh, and, and his wife and daughter have been taken, and um, he needs to basically kind of get them back. And what happened was, at the end of the book, he gets there too late, and his wife and daughter are dead. And I thought, like, okay, this is good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's always these happy endings or these, you know, like, I want to go against that. And my my agent at the time, to his credit, did shop it around that way. But I remember uh, we had gotten feedback from one um, editor and editor. And a publisher, and, and again, it was the story of my life. The the editor sort of supposedly loved the book, but but just didn't think it was right for uh, for, for uh, you know for that house. But she had told him like, you can't you can't kill the the wife and the daughter. The reader's going to kill you. You know they're going to go through this entire book, and then they get to the end, and it's going to be this huge downer. And and I mean, again, at the time, I just was like. You know, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. It was one of those things that nowadays, you know, people, they, they're reading to escape. They're, they're reading to get away from, you know, crappy life. And so to then, then just, you know, compound that and just add on top of that, it just, it just it's not fair. It's, it's not right. I don't know. It's just uh, readers want to, they want to be entertained. They're reading because they want to, you know, to, to get away. And so, and so, I do want to make sure that I what what, what whatever I'm doing is, is going to be entertaining. And I'm, and, you know, every writer is going to say that. It's really hard to say because at the same time, when I'm in like what when I'm in the midst of it, what when I'm really you know deep into a draft, I'm mostly just trying to entertain myself. I'm just trying to like you know, is this a book that I would not skim? Is this a book where you know I I would definitely enjoy it? But I guess in the back of my head, I, I am still having, you know, the reader in mind because I definitely want to have them. I don't want to waste their time. I mean, that, that's what it really comes down to, whether or not they listen to the book, you know, as an audio book. You know, I don't want to waste those hours or if they're sitting down on a Kindle or a paperback, hardcover, whatever. Like, you know, they are taking time out of their day. You know, they worked, you know, they, they worked a, a, a whole day at work. You know, maybe they were dealing with kids or, or whatever and, you know. They, and especially in the holidays, there's, it's not like in the old days where there wasn't um, tablets and smartphones and video games. I mean, people, all they really had to do was what, just read a book or listen to the radio. <laughs> but, but now there's fewer and fewer people reading. So it's really just if people are going to take that time and, and, and read my book or listen to my book, like, I want to make sure it's worth it to them. I want to make sure that, that they come away glad that they spent those several hours um, of their life, basically dedicating it to um, to reading one of my stuff. So I I definitely always have that in the back of my head. Absolutely, I I, I definitely want to make sure that it it pays off for them. Um, and I like to think that for the most part it does. Every once in a while, you know, you look at some Amazon reviews, you know, well, you you'll say it's always the worst thing that they've ever read, which I always find impressive. I mean, if I if if I've read or if if I've truly written something that is the worst thing you've ever read, you know what? It's what what I find funny about it is it it's always concerning to me if someone reads something and they are completely indifferent, where it just it means nothing to them. But if if I've if I've you know if they read one of my books and for whatever reason they have that emotional response that it makes them angry for whatever reason. I mean, I I, I really hope it doesn't but for whatever you know what i mean like i feel like something in there was done somewhat effectively i guess to like at least 
get that emotional response from them. Oh, totally. It makes my nipples hard when I do that. <laughs> There's nothing more exciting than upsetting someone. Um, the emotion is usually the person that's writing it anyway. Like when they're writing a, a terrible review, it's something they're going through that they relate to how you wrote something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's uh, the thing, too. I mean, there, so there I might be something you know, in there where, you know, it, it, it it's a trigger for them. They, you know, maybe they had yeah. a bad day. Like had they read that um, a month prior? For whatever reason, they may have had you know a completely different uh, uh, view on things. So before they they found their wife in the bathtub, it might have been that, better. That is that you know you always have to, to take that into consideration. Absolutely. So and and speaking of triggers, do you think about the violence or the the you know the action or maybe even the sex? How you write that on the page? How you write characters in their aggression um, when you do a book? So I, I will say a lot of my earlier stuff, I probably was going a little bit more for shock value, where I, I really, yes, my stuff will, will, will be violent at times, or will have uh, a lot of action, but at the same time, I like to, I like to keep the, the violence off the page if possible. Um, I guess it really depends on the book. I mean, if, 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 if I'm writing psychological suspense stuff, Oftentimes, that violence is always going to be off the page. You know, we they we know that there is a dead body, but we don't really know what's happened to the dead body. It's always that mystery of what well, of what's going on. And in terms of like the killing room, yes, there there is a lot of action in it. In fact, that you know, just as a plug, uh, bestseller books called it one of the most exhilarating action thrillers you're going to read. Which, thank you to them, that was very kind of them. But um, you know, so there is a lot of action um, in the book, but in terms of the violence, there are. And, and again, there there may be violent um, scenes, but there are times where I've just found, and maybe just in my you know old age here, in my forties, where I I always want to kind of pull back because you've always find that you you want to trust the reader that you don't want to have like spoon feed them everything. Where and again, it kind of goes back to that balancing act where you want to give them just enough. So that so that their imagination can fill in the gaps, but you don't give them you don't give them too much because I'm sure you guys have read uh, books where it's just it's like okay we we get it you know you've 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 spent two pages you know telling us this one thing it's like okay enough already um, so again it's always finding that uh, that balancing act do you do what kind of research do you do to kind of fill in the blanks of how detectives act or how police act or what goes on in the scenes around your characters? Well, um, I hate research. I don't know about you guys, but I, it, it's something that I don't I don't like to do. But it's it's a necessary evil. Um, oftentimes, I will try not to have the research dictate what's happening in the story. It's one of those things where I will write it, and then I will go back to double check: does this work? And if it doesn't, then I have to fix it then, which is very <laughs> It is it is probably not the best way of uh, about going about it. Um, you know, uh, Google is definitely my friend. Um, um, I oftentimes will uh, do Google. I mean, well, so for this type of books too, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys have have uh, have, have encountered this. Um, if if you include any type of weapon, the firearm, I should say, um, but any type of weapon, you better make sure you know what you're talking about you know like what uh what caliber the rifle is the uh the pistol is um uh what type of anim uh, of 
of ammunition, uh, how many rounds is in a mag. I mean, like, <laughs> because you, I, I talked before about some readers who will get angry about things like, like, you'll definitely hear about it if you screw up anything in terms of that. So, so that is one of those things that I definitely make sure I do my research on. And, and, and it's the same thing, too, like um, with The Killing Room. It takes place in Vegas. Um, I, it's been several, several years since I had been to Vegas. But uh, going back to Google, Google Street View is amazing nowadays. I mean, you can go anywhere in the world, practically anywhere in the world, and see what's there. I mean, I mean, I, th I think I had set up a book somewhere. Where, where, where was it? It was in some other country. I think it was in France. Like, I could use Street View to really just say, like, okay, as they were going down this highway, like something that was off, you know, that could be seen in the background. or So, like, it was one of those things that – it's always amazed me when you have some of these writers who will be like, oh, you know, I, I traveled for three months doing research for this book. And it's, and it's great. I, I, if I had the time and money, I, I'm sure I would do it too. But, you know, I'm a little bit limited on what I, I'm able to, to uh, get away with. So oftentimes I do have to rely, again, on, uh, on Google and uh, Google Street Views and, and even YouTube. I mean, oftentimes um, – you know, people will just film. Um, I, I, okay, so the second book, um, there is some of it takes place in Los Angeles, and some of it takes place in a in a sports stadium. I don't want to say which one to give it a, to uh, completely give everything away, but I I was watching some YouTube videos of people who were you know basically giving tours around the entire stadium to really try to kind of again make it as real as possible from when those characters are there. Yeah, it it adds a touch, you know. On this, uh, you know, it, it makes it better, I think. So, listen, so you've got book two uh, coming out in the, what, late fall, or when, when, when will book two? It is scheduled for August. Okay. And so how, how do you like the publishing business now? How is it going? It really depends on the time of day. I think, um, you know, if I, if I have uh, an email coming in from, from something, I mean, it's, it was so, again, so a lot of my stuff, so I mentioned before about having the, um, about having my very first agent, like, right out of college. Like, I, I had gone through just writing books and shopping it around and not selling them, and I found that, you know, in terms of publishing, oftentimes, um, oftentimes good books just get uh, passed over for one reason or another. In fact, uh, there was actually um, an author uh, you both are probably aware of who is very well known in his genre. But he had two books that came out. His very first novel and his second book came out from a from a publisher. Publisher did not really do any type of pr promotion. The books did not sell at all. And then he went and wrote a different type of novel, shopped it around, had a lot of interest from editors. His agent thought the time, okay, great, we're going to have an auction here. Ultimately, no one put in any offers because of, again, the, the, the track record from his first two books. Fortunately, on a second round of submissions, one, one editor, because sometimes it, it, when it comes down to it, it only really takes one, one editor really pushed to have that book. It became a breakout for him, and um, now he is, and again, in his genre, very, very well known. He won a lot of awards. You know, he's had a, 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 a big movie made into one of his books. I mean, and, and so it's just that's that's just the thing about the publishing. Like, had that one editor not, you know, not made an offer, and ultimately, no one. I mean, who knows what would have happened with his career? Um, and and you know, he he's a great writer. He's written a lot of great books. But again, it's just it's just it's it's a it's a very fickle and frustrating business. But again, it's. It is the business, and, and even with self-publishing, um, you know, so some of my stuff I, I do with self-publishing, you know, there, there is that freedom there, but at the same time, it's, 
It's just really getting your books out there, getting them, um, basically making readers aware the book exists. I mean, that's always the biggest challenge. And it's the same thing for any type of uh, arts. I mean, you know, if you're a painter, if you're a musician, if you're an actor, it's just getting people to just be aware that you even exist. And then, and then when they do, hopefully they take the time to see your movie, listen to your music, read your book, and they like it, and hopefully, you know, seek you out to, to uh, read or, you know, see more, listen Come to Come see me dance more. or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, dancing. Yeah, absolutely. sometimes I, you know, I just don't get the crowd. You know, I, social media, website, uh, hookup apps. Like, where where do people find <laughs> Robert? Like, where where are your readers going to find you? So I, um, I'm not. I, I used to love Twitter, and I still call it Twitter. Probably not as active on there as much as I had been before. Although I still, you know, I can't give it up for whatever reason. Even though what the site's become, so I'm, I'm there. Uh, but Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, there's my website. RobertSportwood.com. I have a newsletter um, where also I also uh, specifically wrote for one of my series, the Female Assassin series, and and, and I wrote a, a a short story that is exclusive for newsletter subscribers. So if people sign up for the for the newsletter, they 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 get a uh, an exclusive ebook short story that is not available anywhere else. So those are probably the the best places to find me. Female Assassin. So is that kind of your alter ego? No, um, that came about because uh, my wife, uh, for my first couple of books, had just made a comment where she's like, you know, like a lot of like all your main characters are always men. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm a guy. <laughs> that, that, that usually how, you know, is kind of how it went. But um, and for whatever reason, I just I had this idea about, you know, doing this uh, female assassin series. And. Again, readers who have, who have uh, who have read it seem to really dig it, and um, and it's one of those series too that I really I, I have a lot more ideas for future books. Again, it's just time is precious, and just and then what happens is again, you know, fortunately I've been able to um, you know be under contract for different projects, so so those have to take precedent. But I I, I definitely want to get back into them. I really I really like them. I mean, they're just you know just pure just action and and uh, just a straight up thriller. Um, so, so that's always fun to do. But, um, and I guess that's a question too. I mean, because again, under my pen name, you know, I write more, uh, the main characters are more, you know, f- uh, female led, you know, oftentimes the, they're female protagonists. Um, and going back to one of your uh, previous questions, like when I'm writing those types of books, I don't, it's not like there's like a, at least that I'm not aware of, there, there's not a, a, a switch that like I, you know, manually have to flick. To like get into that headspace, I just I just get in that headspace. I mean, even the same thing too. Even um, uh, in the killing room and in the follow up, I mean, there you know I, I will have some some secondary characters from a female point of view, and I just I don't know. I just I just am able to just kind of seamlessly kind of get into that mind space. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because you know as much reading as I do or or what it is, but um, and I know that some you know readers or I'm sorry, some some writers might struggle to you know, find themselves writing from, from one point of view or other. And just, I, I think it just becomes from like, I've just been doing it so long that I just, you know, so much that I practice again, it's just that idea of just writing, you know, I hate to, to use the, uh, the analogy, but it is kind of like riding a bike or like, you know, you know, like running for a marathon, just, you have to practice, you have to just keep doing, you have to build up, uh, to, to, to doing it. In fact, it's, <laughs> there are times where I just, I, again, 
you know, writing is not fun. At least, at least for me, it, it is. It is work, and there are times where I just kind of feel like I just, I just don't have it in me. I just don't think I can do this. But I'll sit down and be like, oh, you know what? I'll write maybe a couple paragraphs, and then next thing I know, I've written like you know two thousand words, or I've written a chapter. Uh, it's just really just kind of like pushing yourself because it is work. It is. I mean, especially if you you know want to make a career out of it. I mean, it is. You have to. Again, it goes. Yeah, it's like a nine to five. I mean, you have to. Yeah, you, you you have to put in the time. You have, you have to put in the hours, and you have to. Yeah, you have to treat it like a job. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it's a discipline. You have to keep kind of keep it going. You know, very few are lucky enough to just be able to write and be a star and be able to do it, like Joe. Yes, yes, of course. I'm so well known and so successful. I just think it and it ends up on the page. <laughs> Not quite. In fact, just before we came out of the air, I was, I was just starting to bang out a few pair of chapters, and I'm I'm now. Sentences. I'm in that point that just talked to Bart Greeny. It's like I'm in the, as I call it barf draft. I'm in the barfy part of the barf draft. It's just, you know, the first 2,000, 20,000 words. Yeah, great idea. That's like, oh man, what was I thinking? What is who? Where am I going? Somebody help me. And hoping to get to that point where it's like, just, it finishes off. You know, Gotta sit down. Well, for me, for me, I always, I always get worried if I'm working on something and, and I feel very confident about it. I always feel like if if I'm at a place where I'm thinking like, oh God, this is this is awful. I don't think I was going to read that. Um, and then later when I go back through it and be like, okay, yeah, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And like I don't know, it's just that just that a constant self doubt. Um, of course, there are times when you know, at the same time, then it just might also be awful too. But um, thanks. But because uh, I think that's important too, where you can you know kind of recognize that you're wasting your time or that you're not. Uh, yeah. He's trying know. to let you down easy, you know, Joe. You, you, you know when to stop. <laughs> I know exactly what he's saying. Yeah, and he's, he's giving it to you subtly. You know, there's, there's time. Anyway. Well, it's been a great conversation. We're glad you came on. And, of course, everyone go out and get his book. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me on. The Killing Room. Got some notes. Yeah, got lots of notes. Now Joe's going to be... Uh, I'm stealing. Know. Well, the pen name thing, is that I hadn't really thought about it that deeply. And a few other things you said, I got underlined in the circle here. So yeah, I gotta, well, I'm changing. Go. I'm changing. So. Yeah, there you go. See, we know. We know where we're going. Robert Swartwood, thank you for being here. Thank you again, guys. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.